Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The scripture reading for this Sunday is John 15, 12 through 17. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's great to have everyone here. We uh, are concluding a three-week series called It's Complicated, and, and today we're uh, finishing it with talking about, about friendship. And uh, I want to shout out to Saddleback. They have a, a, a sermon series called Awesome that helped kind of uh, structure this message this morning. So when one thinks about the role of friendship, it can seem like a lower priority. I mean, when it comes to our life, we often think about our career. We uh, think about our dreams, our ambition. And the idea of friendship can almost even seem juvenile. Really, do I need a friend? Yet for the Christian life, uh, the idea of friendship is, is pivotal. It's one of the foundations of how to exist with God, how to be close and draw near to God is learning how to be a friend. One time Jesus was asked about what is the greatest commandment, and he said this in Matthew chapter 22. He said these words. Okay. He was very silent for a while. He said in verse 36, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? In verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he followed it with this. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Notice when Jesus was asked what is the one greatest commandment, Jesus couldn't sever the, the idea of loving God and loving others. That these two are one. It's impossible to say that you love God if you haven't learned how to love someone else. It's uh, as for us, we might think, oh, it's great. I'm just going to focus on just loving God because that's a lot easier than the idea of, of loving other broken, weird, messy people. Because when it comes to something like that, it just gets complicated. Yet the reality is that the way in which God has designed this to be is that we know if we have learned to love God, if that love is reflected in our care and our treatment of other people. And we, we have to have this experience of community. It's how this whole thing is, has been set up to exist. It's much like a group of porcupines gathering on a cold night, though. We need one another, but we keep poking each other in the eye. Like We, we have to have this experience of community, but it just gets really really tricky. The reality is that God forms us as disciples primarily through our relationships. It's not enough just to study scripture. 
It's not enough just to work through prayer. That the way in which primarily God forms us is in the relationships with other people. It's because those, it's in the context of relationships that things are drawn out of us. For our church's mission, we pulled out three different ways in which we're going to follow Jesus. Uh, We talked about uh, how we're going to follow Jesus. But for us, one of the primary ways that we are going to follow Jesus is we are going to follow Jesus in significant friendship. When we first pulled this out, if this is the the vision for our church, it seems kind of small. Significant friendship? But significant friendship is where God does some of his best work. The primary way that we organize our church around friendship is through our vine groups. And this is something just to kind of share with you all. We have small groups called vine groups. They meet in the, throughout the week in different homes and places. And we have 131 adults in these small groups. 131. That's around the same number of people, of uh, adults who gather here on worship on Sunday mornings. And I love it. It's awesome. Uh, because the idea of a group of people meeting in someone's living room, opening up scripture, praying with one, one another, mourning what each other is mourning, celebrating what each other is celebrating, uh, this is more like the experience of church than what we're doing right now. When you think about the last 2,000 years throughout all of the world, that's more normative for being church than gathering on a Sunday morning and having some pasty guy talk to you from a stage. This is abnormal. So the idea of a group of people, did I hear an amen over there? Uh, So the idea of a group of people sharing their life in community, that is church. That's essential. Uh, This is a quote from, uh, this is an atheist actually, Margaret Mead. She made this Uh, this comment, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. That even for her, as she looked at this world, she has noticed that the power of small, committed communities of people, they have the potential of changing the world. And so for us as a church, we want to foster that. We want to say that friendship matters. Friendship matters in your life, friendship matters in our church, and friendship matters in this world. There's three primary ways that I believe that friendship matters, why each of us need deep, godly friendship. First is for spiritual growth. You cannot become who God wants you to be alone. Spiritual formation happens in relationships. Did you know that in the Bible there's 59 one another commandments? 59 times in scripture, God says, if you want to know what it's like to follow me, you have to learn how to treat one another this particular way. So if you want to know what it's like to follow me, you have to learn how to encourage one another, how to forgive one another, how to rebuke one another, and on top of that, 56 other commandments of learning how to exist in friendship. And this is how our spiritual lives are formed. If you are going it alone in your spiritual life, I promise you, you will not experience the transformation that God wants in your life. You have to do it through friendship, through relationship. That's how our spiritual lives are formed. The second reason why we need deep friendship is for emotional support. Life is hard. I don't have to say that we all know it. But Galatians 6.2 says this about how we exist in our community. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
This phrase, the law of Christ, is an unfamiliar uh, phrase for us. But if you were to think about the law of Christ, you might think what the law of Christ is being holy, being perfect or blameless more than the people around us, like being just completely righteous. But the law of Christ in this context is to learn how to carry each other's burdens. That's, that's what it means to follow the instruction of Jesus, is that Jesus taught us how to carry one another. So we have to have deep friendships so that we have this type of emotional and spiritual support. And if you've been around here long enough, you've heard us say that in church, we have the honor of taking turns for one another. When crisis happens, when the 3 a.m. phone call happens, we have the privilege of carrying each other's burdens. And one day, it's your turn, your number is going to come up, and one day, it's mine. And I can't imagine doing this alone. That's the gift of godly, deep friendship. So we've talked about spiritual aspect of our growth. We've talked about the emotional need. But even deep friendship gives us even a physical effect. That Did you know that deep, soulful friendship has the ability to help your health, your physical health, and long living? Uh, there are researchers who are now starting to pay attention to this. I found several different studies. This one was the most striking for me. Researchers at BYU and the University of North Carolina discovered they studied a large group of people, and they looked at mortality rates. They studied them only for seven and a half years. What they found was this, that people who had a robust social network had, uh, were 50% less likely to die over the next seven and a half years. People without a community experience, a robust community experience, they were 50% more likely to die in those seven and a half years. You might not be crazy about joining a vine group, but you don't want to die. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Proverbs 18.24 speaks to this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. One who doesn't have the experience of deep, lasting friendship soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Maybe in part because we don't get to choose our brothers. But we do get to choose our friends. Friendships are like deep roots that allows us to be stable and firmly planted when the weathers and storms of this life try to uproot us. So if you're longing for this type of friendship, you might be going, great, awesome, I now know why I need it, but I've never experienced it. I've never experienced this type of friendship. One of my dear friends uh, went off to college, and he had a group of friends in his high school and junior high years, and went off to college and just experienced loneliness. And he fell into depression. He started coming home every single weekend uh, just to kind of retreat from the new experience of college. And after a while, his mentor started picking up on the fact that, why are you back at church this Sunday? And so he pulled him aside and said, what's going on? And his friend talked about depression and loneliness and the fact that he doesn't have any friends anymore. And the mentor's words to him just were deeply embedded into his mind when he looked at him and said, if you want a friend, be a friend. If you want a deep friendship, be a deep friend. Create the friendships you long for. Jesus even spoke to this in his golden rule in Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others 
what you would have them do to you. What this is saying is if you are wanting for, if you're longing for a deep friendship, then start fostering friendships that are like that. Rick Warren said it like this, you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. So if you are an anxious, critical person, expect friendships that are full of anxious and critical people. If you have a longing for a deep, significant friendship, then start caring for people. Pour yourself out. Ask, ask questions that go deeper than the surface-level questions. Foster a deep friendship. Be that friend. So for me, I was thinking about this conversation. The spirituality of friendship is how I've been thinking about it. And I thought it, I might actually open up my personal world a little bit. Um, rather than just talking about deep friendship, I thought I might actually use this opportunity to embarrass a good friend of mine. Uh, and also, I think it's important because it's important for you guys to know that your, your pastors, uh, the people who are on staff helping lead this community, are trying to live this out. And so with that, I invited a friend of mine named Luke Borland uh, to, to be here today. Luke, can you come on up here? Would you guys welcome Luke for me? This is for you. Yeah, yeah, take that mic if you can. So I would do it for you, but uh, that's all right. You got it. So, all right, so a little background about Luke. When I, in 1999, 1999, I was a junior in college at Texas A&M University. Yep. And, uh, and at that time, uh, I, I was super popular. <laughs> there was no humor there. Uh, I was super popular. Uh, no, I, I did have friendships, but I, I had this longing for significant friends. I had, I had uh, relationships that were about an inch deep, and I didn't feel like I was fully known. And so at the time, I remember being in my house in Southside Historical District of College Station, and I was thinking about this, I was praying about this, and I looked at my fraternity composite. And here we are, this is the fraternity composite, and I started thinking through uh, this is my fraternity agamens club when I was back then. And uh, by the way, I, I chose not to do this, not to embarrass him too much. But this is Sam Roberts right here. Maybe one day we'll zoom in on that picture. Uh, but uh, when I was praying through this, I saw Luke Borland. Look at Luke Borland. You can call him Peanut for the rest of this morning. Uh, so Luke, I saw the picture of Luke, and I did the, uh, the courageous thing as a, as a young man. I called up Luke, and I said, Luke... This sounds really random, but You're I creepy. wanted to know if uh, hello. Uh, I wanted to know if um, if you would want to start getting together, uh, uh, just talk through life. <laughs> there you go. Uh, talk through life together and uh, uh, and start praying for each other. And uh, we were very hard. We were hard characters. A lot of street cred for Luke and I. Um, Why were we wearing bandanas? I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, so I asked, you know, it's kind of weird as guys to be like, hey, you want to be my friend? But that's kind of how it felt. And Luke was like, okay. All right, so we did it. So we started meeting weekly uh, back then. And so that was, what, 18 years ago or so? Yes. yes. And um, Luke and I, let's just be honest about it, Luke. At first it was kind of awkward and clunky. Yeah, I, when Mark first called me, I was kind of like, what, what is this? What's happening here? So it was, it was awkward at first. Uh, but I remember it was, it was very intentional, and that's something that Mark taught me right away. It was like, all right, he, he wants a, a close friend, 
So he called me up and he pursued me. Total wild at heart. Total wild at heart. I did pursue you. Uh, but, it, you know, it, we, met, we met in, the, in his backyard, and I remember the first couple times meeting, and we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing. We sat in his lawn chairs, and your dog, Boomer, smelled so bad. He was just walking around us, and it wasn't always natural. And I share this to say, like, at the beginning of relationships, it's just weird. It's just weird. And we, and we mess up. I remember one time Luke called me up to say, hey, I really need to talk to you. It's like probably like around 11 o'clock at night. And I go, okay. So I go over to his house and we are sitting in his living room and it's really dark. He fell asleep on me. Yeah. I just, he was like, he's wanted to start with me. So I kind of shared what's going on with me. And then he's like, Mark, I really need to talk to you. And next thing I know, I wake up a couple hours later with a quilt covering me. I totally fell asleep. I was pouring out my heart and soul to Mark and he fell asleep. But, uh, you know, during the, during the experiences like that, even though it was clunky and awkward, uh, slowly over time, God, beginning to, God began to foster and bless this relationship. And as we were awkwardly fumbling through this, the beginning of this friendship, I had no clue what God had in store for us. Uh, all the celebrations, the opportunity to stand each other, next to each other at each other's wedding, uh, the burdens that we would be able to carry, the 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 times we'd be able to hold each other's newborn in the hospital, the, and also the, the, the pain that we would also carry, being at, at funerals together. I had no clue when looking at that weird composite picture of a fraternity that uh, what God had in God's mind and heart for this weird, funky relationship. I, yeah, I, I think of um, my buddy Ryan Hammett. I don't know if he's here. Is no. Ryan here? Okay. Ryan, you said, he said something to me that stuck out to me several years ago. He said, pay attention to what God's putting in front of you. And um, I think there's people in our lives, coworkers, uh, you know, long-lost friends. Uh, maybe it's a, a school, someone in school that you're um, in a class with, whatever that looks like, that God just keeps putting in front of you. Um, and just paying attention to who that is. And sometimes it's just a pursuit of someone, a deliberate pursuit of like, Hey, maybe this is somebody that God's really calling me toward, um, and there's something really neat about that. And, and I, I experienced that with Mark, and, and he taught me that more than anything else as a friend. Um, and it's bled into my marriage, um, and, and Mark is reminding me that to pursue someone, it's not about what you get out of that. It's an intentional pursuit of, of deliberately loving somebody and, and um, just being a part of their life, um, not, not, not a matter of what you get back from that. So... That's been one of the coolest things about our relationship is that uh, it's spanned, like we talked about, a couple decades, and it's, um, it's gone through all kinds of, it, Mark's lived in Germany, he was in Waco, and I was the friend that wouldn't call back sometimes, but Mark would still call me, so it wasn't this idea of like, you owe me a call, and that's taught me a lot. Yeah. So we, we put together a handful of ways in which, um, when you think about significant friendship, how it seems that God honors intention. And I know that each of us want to deepen our friendships. And so we've prepared a couple of ways in which if you're longing to deepen your friendship, then, then one of these ideas might resonate with you. So first, how to develop deep friendship. Deep friends invest regular time with one another. Simply put, relationships take time. I know there are many times for me that it felt like we were too busy to meet up. But every time when I had to say no to something else and just show up. I never once drove home going, well, that was a waste. Yeah. I chose the wrong thing. 
Yeah, I think it's just, for me, it taught me it's a sacrifice. Everything's in, everything in life is a trade-off. And when you're in a season of life, especially when you have young kids or you've got busy time at work, um, it takes a deliberate, intentional effort, I think, is what I've learned, to just really set aside that time to commit to one another, um, a time and place to where you can really connect with each other. That's right. Another way that to deepen your friendship is deep friends are serious about joy. When we think about spiritual friendship, we might think that, uh, that spiritual friendship means we have to just spend hours praying to each other. Every time we end up hanging out, we have to hug each other and cry or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but uh, sometimes a deep friendship is just about joy. It's about the, the idea of celebrating uh, life with one another. And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis talking about heaven. It says, joy is the serious business of heaven. If there's one thing that heaven gets eyebrows furrowed over, it's the fact that joy is serious. And so for our friendships, spiritual friendship is about joy. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, yeah there, there's a, 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 one of our close friends, Brad Dunn. He's not here today because he had a baby yesterday. That's uh, pathetic. Or two days, yeah. Where's his commitment? <laughs> and he was going to come to guy's night the night before, and he literally dropped out. They were going to have the baby at 5.30 the next morning, and he dropped out the last night. He's like, sorry, guys, I just can't do it. Um, I don't think he's the one that said it. I think his wife did. But, that's probably yeah. true. Um, but I think of Brad Dunn, and, and this is a guy who radiates joy. And the minute you walk into a room with Brad Dunn, you feel this sense of, of like, he's just, he's so happy, he's so joyful to be with people that he loves. And it's just this magnetic force. Um, and I just think about, you know, he's a guy that right now he's going through a lot in his life. And uh, we hung out probably a week ago. And he just comes up and gives me a bear hug, even though I know all of his circumstances right now is just mass chaos. He's going through another move. Um, they're about to have their fourth kid, and they're about trying to sell their house. Um, but he has this, like, this joy about him despite circumstances. And so uh, if we can be friends like that, that when we're going through trials uh, and we can still have joy in our lives, that, that type of stuff is magnetic. It's contagious. And I've, got, I've been blessed with friends that have that. And... Um, it's taught me a lot about true joy. So when the kingdom of God breaks into our world, one of the fruits of that kingdom is joy. So the, the first miracle that Jesus did in the book of John was at a wedding ceremony, creating more uh, wine, furthering the celebration. That's the first miracle that Jesus did. The last thing, we, one of the last things we, pictures we have in the book of Revelation is, a, is another wedding banquet. So wedding banquets, like when you think about the kingdom of God, think about a, what happens at a wedding banquet. Well, there's the, the middle-aged men with the ties around their forehead dancing to the Macarena. That's the kingdom of God breaking into this world. It's about joy, and our friendships should model that. Another thing that, uh, uh, another thing that we find with deep friendships, how to foster deep friendships, is deep friends join each other's capers. Uh, this is not the uh, cooking ingredient capers. The, so when you think about the movie Ocean's Eleven, I just think about this. So it begins with the reality that one person has this grand idea about how to pull off this heist. And all of a sudden, he starts thinking about it, but it's beyond his own abilities. And so he has to start grabbing other people to be able to help pull this thing off. That's a caper. The reality is we need more spiritual capers in our life, things that are too big for one person to pull off, and God will use friends to be able to pull off capers. I think it was 10 years ago, God, that's crazy to say, 
10 years ago, Mark was going uh, to the prison in Southeast Austin, and he told Micah and I, he's like, hey, I, you, need, you guys need to come with me. And he didn't really give us any heads up on how it goes down. He's like, we're going to go through about eight locked doors, and we're going to go into this portable full of about 20 guys, um, and we're just going to worship with them. We're going to lead them in a time of Bible study. And that's one of those things that I, I don't think Mike and I would have ever done that unless we got pulled into this, right? It was just, it's one of those, like, we, we have no idea what we're getting ourselves into, but let's just do this together because we're in it together. And now Mike is over here. He's still doing it 10 years later. Um, I'm not. I, I, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where, like, like, we've talked about this, like, going out in twos. Like, these are the type of things where if you were on your own and you were isolated, you'd either burn out, uh, you'd turn over to fear. There'd be something that would get, get in your way, right? Um, and I think about Micah, Micah's over here, I'll talk about him some more. Um, he was with me alongside these young men that we were mentoring, and this, this is the type of stuff that if I was going it alone, this, this never would have kept up. I would have gotten burned out because they were punk little middle school kids that would have left. Um, they wouldn't have liked me, but they saw our relationship together, and there's something about uh, a group of people that love each other, that love the Lord, getting together um, that I think really brings about, like, change in other people. Um, it's contagious. Again, I keep using that word. Yeah, with Jesus, when there was a time where he was leading ministry, he was showing the disciples what you could do in this world of relying on God's, uh, God's work and, and presence in this world. And then Jesus stopped one day and said, okay, now it's your turn. I'm turning the tables. Now it's your turn to go into this world. And you're not allowed to take an extra cloak. You're not allowed to take money. The only thing you will have is a friend to go with you. And I think Jesus loves to send friends into this world to pull off spiritual capers. And I think we need more of that. We need more of that. So right now, uh, Luke and his wife, Courtney, are helping start a preschool uh, for uh, children who won't have access to it. They sent out an invitation to our friends to hear more about it. And guess how Luke explained it? Hey, we're starting another caper. Who's in? And as a friend, I'm like, I'm always in. Whatever is going on with you, I'm, I'm, as all, I'm always in. We need more capers. Another, another way in which we will deepen our friendship is uh, deep friends run toward the pain. When you see something going off the rails in someone's life, there's this natural tendency to, to step away. I don't get pulled into that vortex. But you, deep friends will foster deep friendship by running towards the pain. There's a time in life where for Jen and I, we had an awful diagnosis uh, with our daughter, and uh, the wheels came off in our life, completely off. And uh, we had a lot of friends kind of call and text, wishing us well. And uh, I'll always remember, Luke just showed up. He did not know where, what room we were in the hospital, but he showed up to the hospital. Uh, deep friends show up, and they run towards the pain. Um, yeah. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. I, I, this is like a harebrained idea, but this idea, I think... I think we all have to be vulnerable and, and expose our pain too, and yeah. that's hard to do. Um, and that's one thing that I feel like maybe it's because of the the history, and we'll talk about safe places later on. But this idea that you you can put it out there, whatever pain you're going through, and you're not expecting any kind of judgment or like a quick fix. Um, but I feel like if we're not putting it out there, then we're not going to have that opportunity to go in alongside someone else's pain as well. Um, and I think the best model of that is just coming and being with that person and not mm-hmm. fixing anything, just yeah. hanging out with them. Yeah, in my uh, 18 years of doing this with Luke, 
not once has he told me, you know what you really should do? Uh, is, is, the, is the spiritual gift of presence being with me. Um, but that does, that does lead us to our next thing. Deep friends have higher standards. One of the greatest ways I can tell if I have a true friendship with someone is if they love me enough to disagree with me. You know, there's a temptation for our friendships just to be agreeable, that a true friend might just nod at whatever bad idea that you have. And a true friend loves you enough to kind of go, I object, or I, can I push back on that idea? Because the reality is we all have blind spots in our life, in our spiritual life, and uh, that temptation to be agreeable holds us back from the opportunity to have a higher standard for one another. Yeah, I think... Um to the extent that you can surround yourself with people that have very different uh, maybe backgrounds, points of view. Um, well, our friend group is pretty, even though we all went to the same school, very different interests, different perspectives. Um, that's been a blessing for me. My wife and I have had very different uh, political perspectives in the past. Um, we don't talk about politics from the pulpit, yeah, please. Yeah, sorry. sorry. And um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just this idea, I think you hit it, Mark. It's like blind spots, humility, coming into a relationship, realizing that we don't know it all, and this person probably has a lot. God's probably put this person in my life to really uh, call me to a higher standard and call, call me out in areas of my life. And, and uh, that's, that's the reality of, um, I think, a close friend. Uh, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We might go, oh, that's such a great idea to be sharpened. Do you know how something's sharpened? Heat and friction. That doesn't sound comfortable. And I think a lot of our friendships actually need to get more complicated. Like, I think a lot of our friendships need to include heat and friction to be used by God to help sharpen and form one another. Your friendships are meant to draw Christ out of each other. You know if you're experiencing deep godly friendship is if through this friendship, Christ is, the aroma of Christ is being produced more and more in your life. And this is the purpose of godly deep friendship. Uh, the next way in which we foster deep friendship is deep friends have earned trust, and I would say, and have not violated it. Proverbs 20:19 says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. That doesn't seem like a Bible passage, right? It just seems like common logic, but oftentimes we forget this, the fact that uh, that loyalty is essential for deep friendship. So over the last 18 years, not once has Luke violated my trust. And I've shared with him some juicy stuff. Uh, but not once has Luke violated my trust. Not once has he turned around and told a story to someone else that came back to me that Luke has proven himself to be trustworthy. And so everything is on the table when it comes to this friendship. Yeah, Mark and I have a close friend, Kyle Bender. Some of, probably a lot of you all know him. Um, he's a guy that I think of I can't think of a time, and I've known Kyle as long as I've known you, um, that never has anything bad to say about anybody. And there's times in my life when I'm, like, talking to Kyle, and somebody has, like, legitimately wronged Kyle. And I'm, like, wanting him to, like, Kyle, can't you see, like, this is not. <laughs> and, um, and that's the type of friend that I want to be, that, um, you know, we've got friends, Kara Hardy, she's, like, always has something good to say. She uses her words as a weapon of love and, like, building people up. And those are the type of friends that, uh, that I, that's the type of friend that I want to be so that I think, again, it comes around, like, when you're around that, those type of people, um, that's who you become, right? We, we all kind of, we turn out to who, who we surround ourselves with. And so um, 
I think this idea is beautiful of, of using our words to, to love one another, to not gossip, um, to speak highly, and to give people the benefit of the doubt. Deep friends also make memories. If there's one thing about Jesus is we know that Jesus was a memory maker. The only reason why you have the Gospels, the only reason why you have the Gospels in your hand when you look at your Bible is because Jesus made memories. That memories that were lasted for years until finally someone wrote them down. And so for our friendships, we need to be memory makers. We need to have significant friendship through the process of stopping the monotony of life and making memories. Robbie Hardy, Robert Smith, making memories. These guys, these are some of our friends that are always about, let's get, we need, we need it. We have this annual trip, mancation. Am I jumping ahead, Mark? No, you're good. Okay. Every year, uh, we try to get together with guys, and we're like trying to up the ante with, with uh, new experiences. And I think what happens is, uh, Courtney and I were talking about this recently. If we get into these patterns of life, um, we wonder why time goes by so fast as we get older. Well, a lot of times we're doing the same things, right? And we get into these rituals, um, and there's no new, like, experiences. Um, and when we have these new, fresh experiences, just like a little kid, everything's new to them. They're in the moment. They're absorbed in it. Um, and when you can do that with close friends and make those memories together, I think that just deepens the bond. And, and new experiences with close friends is is what I think we're after with mancation. Um, and um, it's, yeah. Mancation, mancation is like an annual thing. It just rolls thing. off my tongue, and I realize most people have never heard that term. It's a very awkward thing. Mancation is an annual trip that we take as guys. We just put a stake in one weekend a year. We go, and we're just stupid together. We just make dumb memories. <laughs> and so it usually involves uh, getting on kayaks or canoes and going down some river in Texas. There, there, there's a science to it. Robert Hardy has developed a spreadsheet with everyone's anniversary, kids' birthdays, and it's like, these are the certain weekends. It's complicated. We have 29 kids within our friend group, so as of yesterday. Uh, so uh, deep friends also create safe places. Uh, the reality for our life is we need safe places where we can question and where any doubt is permissible, where everything can be on the table. And in particular, this includes confession. So James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The important thing to notice on this is that um, why wouldn't it be enough just to confess and pray to God? We see here that to confess to God, is, it's, like, it's like you're forgiven, but there is a healing agent that comes in confessing to someone else that the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When you look at someone else in the eyeball and you have a time of confession, it releases grace in this other person. It releases grace in their world. And that's one of the most important things that we can be and do as, as deep friends. Yeah, I, I think my relationship with Mark has taught me that, um, you know, you're going to be able to experience true deep friendship when you become yourself vulnerable and share and confide and confess. Um, and that just opens the floodgates. And so the, the friends that I've been surrounded with and the, what the demonstration that Mark has given into my life of just this, here's what I'm struggling with. It's just raw and it's candid and, um, and it is what it is and there's no sugarcoating it. Um, and sometimes you have to be that friend that initiates that because you might be with some people that they, 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 they look like they've got it all together, and maybe that friendship is trying to get deeper, but it's, it's going to be, 
it's going to be you that's going out there and saying, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. This is like, this is real. And then I think what happens is that just reciprocates this really cool uh, place of, of, hey, they're sharing with me. I, I can share with them. Um, and that's when we really become known. And that's, I think that's a beautiful place to be. Would you guys thank Luke for coming up here today? Thank you, man. Now hang up your own microphone. Uh, the important thing is to know that this is not something special, that uh, if you leave going, oh, that's great that Mark has this, this friendship, it's, you've missed it. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, deep friendship is something that God longs for all of us. And the most important thing is for us to be a deep friend, to foster that deep friend. The last way in which we foster deep friendships is the ultimate way, which is you foster deep friendships by following Jesus' example. Jesus' master plan for changing this world was to, to exist in relationship with people. That this is how God was going to transform this whole world, is going to initiate and foster a different way of being friends. And here's the staggering truth that I'm afraid too many of us have grown used to hearing, is that Christ wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you. That Jesus wants a real, significant friendship with you. And we get so used to that concept, we, it loses its power and its meaning. That just like you don't know of a friend, you know a friend, so what it is with you and Jesus. That Jesus wants you to, to walk with him, to listen to him, to study him, to spend time with him. And in doing so, you will be transformed. This uh, last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples before he went off to the cross, Jesus gave them this, these important words. In John 15, 12 through 17, it says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, which is how I think many of us think God's relationship is with us, that God wants us to be servants. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. How do you enter this friendship with Jesus? You did not choose me, but I chose you. And this is my command. Love each other. Just as we talked about earlier, that you have to be the friend you hope you receive. Jesus was the friend that he longs for you to be. The same Jesus who said you have to go and learn to love each other, he then wrapped a towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet. He said you should learn how to lay down your life, but then he went to the cross right after this and laid his life down for you to show you how to enter significant friendship. He laid down himself. So when Christ said, I didn't, you did not choose me, but I chose you, he chose you to freely know him. And like a good friend, Jesus wants to enter your pain. Jesus wants to show you how to make memories. Jesus wants to create safe places to share joy. And finally, Jesus wants to release grace in your life 
so that you might be made new again. And then after that, then Jesus will look you in the eye and say, you want to join my caper? <laughs> 